Hello everyone, welcome to episode 1 of the Kong Roundtable, the sequel to Godzilla Roundtable, that's coming out before Godzilla Roundtable's even all entirely released! <laughs> wow, season 2 early. <laughs> We're releasing out yeah, exactly. So, 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 yeah, it's your regular series podcasters of me, otherwise known as Faye. Uh, Ton here once more for a second time around. That's confusing. And basically, this is coming out early to help coincide with Godzilla vs. Kong. It, it was still probably going to end up coming out early, but now it's coming out really early. <laughs> Because of the release date change, so yeah, yeah, that's just how it is. If it feels All inconsistent, right. blame legendary. <laughs> <laughs> so to start us off, does anybody actually? You know what? I think we all probably have a con story. Crash, I'll put them on the spot. How did you? How, what, what's your earliest memories of King Kong? My earliest memory of King Kong was probably in middle school. I took, I took a film class. Um, I remember our professor was like, "Let's watch." I remember being really bored when I watched it the first time. I, I was like, I was like, well, to give you credit, I was like, that's my queen. So I was just like, I never felt like there was a lot. It was the only black and white King Kong I thought you were showing me. No, no, son of Kong. It's, yeah, oh, it's like, stuck in my head. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was the original one. A thousand percent sure it was the original one. Because we're all the same people. Yeah. I think as a kid, I was really bored. But um, and then after that, all I know is I saw King Kong 2005 like, different ways. Never all at once, except like one time. Because I, like, I feel like all the teachers would always have that. They'd be like, let's go to King Kong this time and let's watch that. <laughs> I've definitely seen it before, but sure, why not? And, um, yeah, that's, I never, I never like, King Kong's cool. real, so it's not really like a series. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Yeah. But real quick, Crash, your school let your teachers show PG-13 movies? Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> it was in high school, it's the last I remember watching that. Okay, yeah. that that's why, that's <laughs> but yeah, so Kong's Kong's with it. Kong's obviously like in the character everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, I'm not gonna use fan rating when they're doing Godzilla, because Godzilla's like a franchise. Godzilla's like a series. Like there's so much with Godzilla. Kong is more of a weird nebulous entity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the story was very much like a little bit more stuff. It's very, it's very specific. In kind of it kind of reminds me. Of like Scarface, how like there's been like the original Scarface, and then you have the remake, but it's just like that with Kong, but times like three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so because of that, it was kind of like Godzilla. Like originally, I was just like, yeah, I know who he is. Like he's like this problem with Dragon Ball. Let everyone yell at him. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. So now I'm gonna get to watch it. Yay! And Crash, you've also seen. Uh, oh, just the yeah, comes in oh five. Okay. Alright, so Ton, what's your earliest memory of Kong? Um, honestly, I think it's definitely Kong 2005. Um, I still pretty much, well, no, I would have been kind of young at the time. I won't say how young, so nobody feels old. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) I I remember a lot of the ad campaign hype around the movie, and I remember going to see it and being like, wow, this is awesome, big monkey, dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I had that um 
the tying video game for PS2. Love that okay, game. Okay, I did as well. That game is so fun but so hard. And it, it, yeah. The game as a whole really just looks really cute. It's probably a top ten game of the But it's yeah. a game really fascinating. It looks so good actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that game. So I played that and I really got into Kong. I I check out much more Kong stuff beyond that. I don't think I watched thirty three till I watched it with you, Fit actually. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. Your first time? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> I yeah, I think for roundtables that was like the second time I've watched it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, but go on. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, but beyond that, uh, I've seen uh, Skull Island, and we did watch Son of Kong a while back, but that's yeah. about it for me, Kong wise. And, and also Kong 05, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, my earliest memory, too, was also King Kong 05. Ironically, King Kong 05 came out around the time I was getting into Godzilla, too. So, kind of I never saw it in theaters, but I did see bits and pieces of it growing up, like, Crash Street, but never entirely. I remember the big-ass marketing push King Kong 05 had, though. There was so much stuff for King Kong 05, like the toys... The video game that they also played, the the re-releases of King Kong seventy three, Son of Kong, King Kong seventy six, King Kong vs Godzilla, King Kong Saves, etc. etc. The tie in to the movie being released, I remember all that. Obviously, I've seen King Kong seventy three, Son of Kong. I saw Kong seventy six a while ago, so I don't remember, I don't even remember it. I've seen the American version of King Kong Escapes a while ago. Um. I've also obviously seen Kong Skull Island and King Kong 05 in full now. The only ones I haven't seen is the Japanese version of King Kong Escapes and King Kong Lives. So those are the only Kong movies I haven't seen. Mm. So yeah, that's Kong. I've seen Kong, real quick before we get into Kong the movie, I think King Kong's kind of interesting in character because like we were saying, there's not really a franchise around him, per se. Because I feel like most of the Kong movies, if you look at them, have been remakes of the original movie, practically. Yeah. Like, even King Kong vs. Godzilla, that first half is practically a remake of King Kong 23. <laughs> yeah, right. They're more, like, condensed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like how I felt about, like, Jurassic Park, but, like, King Kong, the series definitely feels like a one-and-done kind of movie. Yeah. It's very... What's the word? Closed? I don't know. I'm really bad at my... <laughs> it's very self-contained. That's the word. It's yeah. very self-contained story about a very specific thing that happens in his life. That's that's kind of what it's all about, and I feel like they're yeah. trying to capture that. But maybe not. I feel like Kong Skull Island. We'll talk about this more when we get to Kong Skull Island. I feel like Kong Skull Island was the first thing to really break out of that story mold and use Kong for Kong's like potential as a character mm-hmm. rather than just a story. Yeah. yeah. You'll see, you'll see come out Crash. It's not really a remake of, like, the Kong story. I've got that from just, like, trailers. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to see that, to see, like, the yeah. story for Kong that's not just the project now. Mm-hmm. I- I'm excited to see it, too. But, yeah, I guess we might as well get into the Wonder Story at all. The oldest movie we've ever watched on Roundtable Club, which is King Kong, 1933, which we'll need to look at the details, so I don't want to that. <laughs> no, probably not. Unless we someday cover um, uh, the Lost World 1925, which is oh. technically 
first launched on the Wii's movie. Check me. But we'll see where we can go. Anyway, King Kong 1973 was, of course, from 1933, and it was directed and produced by Marion T. Cooper and Ernest B. Schoensack. If I pronounced that wrong, I'm sorry. I have no idea how you're saying his, his name. It was <laughs> written, interesting enough, by James Ashworth Creelman and Ruth Rose. Ruth Rose was actually Ernest, C., who's Ernest B.'s last name I can't pronounce, his wife, which is interesting. But I'll talk about that more later. So yeah, what did you guys think of the direction of this film, especially considering how bland, how like groundbreaking this film was? He said bland. That was wrong. I, I was listening. Oh wait, uh, I I forgot to say, I, I rated it out of ten. My whoever oh, was good. Was out of 10. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's very probably like nine out of ten. Ten. Okay. I don't know. Very high. It's very classic. Like I I was really engaged in that. But obviously, there's a lot of bad things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's part of, like, I gave it, like, a 9 out of 10. It's not so good. Okay. Yeah. Tom? Yeah, um, I think this one gets an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, leaning towards 9. Um, I love it a lot of the classic kaiju movies. It's probably... Well, we can debate the semantics. Uh, <laughs> as one of the classic monster movies, I just, I, I really like this one. Yeah, for me, it's 8.5 out of 10 for me, too. I think it's great. I just think there's some stuff that holds it back now, as if someone watching it in 2021. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into. Anyways, sorry about that. To get back <laughs> to the thoughts on direction, I'm going to crash it on everyone's papers. You go ahead, Chris. Okay, yeah, so obviously, this movie was very groundbreaking, especially in its direction, especially in its, like, its scale, too, like, yeah. <laughs> like, especially all the scenes with King Kong, especially, like, imagine if a 1930s motorcycle, like, oh god, it's real, <laughs> like, gigantic, it, it's very well done, especially, like, shots of the direction, it, it's very, what's the word, I don't know, can you say a direction is amazing? I, yeah, yeah, I, I think that'll work. So. I feel like, I feel like you, you, you can say that because I, you have to make sure it's being done right. Yeah, I use engagement a lot, so it's okay. It, it's but, it's, but it's true. Because, like, I, I think the direction especially is always interesting. There's always cool fresh small stuff. There's no, like, really bland moments of, like, the mm-hmm. end of the Yeah. I think it's done really well. And especially for the time, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Tom? Um, yeah, I've got to say, the direction in this movie is very impressive like we're talking about one of the older eras of filmmaking obviously not the oldest but just a lot of the technology we take for granted today did not it just did not exist back then um and it's just really impressive kind of just how well put together is like um the actors respond realistically to kind of fantastical elements of the movie which were done with stop motion so they had like really nothing to act off of other than their yeah. own intuition <laughs> which is yeah. and any scenes involving the big puppet but I'm not sure how many people were even on the scale for that big puppet to be honest mm-hmm. so the fact that they were able to so naturally act with all these like elements that just did not exist before is really impressive to me so they yeah. did a really good job here. And like the other thing with that too, which is just interesting too, is you have to imagine also there 
the only like big monster on the loose kind of film was the Lost World 1925. <laughs> and, and, and this was back in the day before you, you could go like see a movie again. So who knows how many of the cast had actually even seen that movie. Mm. If any of them had. <laughs> so you have, so they don't even really have like a frame of context for like, like a Dr. movie or a giant monster movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, for me... I, I agree. This movie has, is incredibly engaging. It's still like has some amazing techniques. Like I love the fading <clears> of the claw, and then you see the and then you see the bone pushing through. That's still a great little bit of, of editing and and directing you got there. And I think something interesting also is Marion C. Cooper was originally a nature film a documentarian, and I think his influence on that really comes that really shows. Come, yeah comes across here. And how he shoots the environment and the animals, which I think is in this. And before we move on to the elf in the room, I also want to say the stop motion effects by Willis O'Brien are just groundbreaking. To be honest, like this was really, I feel like. Go on, crash. Oh, she's saying I agree. Like, so well done, so well integrated. Yeah. Like obviously getting past. Yeah. That set design is just fantastic, especially with Skull Island. Like that wall is so impressive. And the mix of and, and the mix of like like Mate painting, stop motion, puppetry, set work, it's all really impressive. The mask up especially, I, I love that thing. It makes the scale yeah. so huge. It makes it really yeah. Yeah. And it was a technique which lasted so long, too. I'm not sure how, how if Kung Fu was among the earliest or how often it's being done before, but Kung Fu Street definitely is part of why matte painting lasted until CGI, where, like, even, like, the original trilogy used it a lot to give their backgrounds more, like, scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tom, do you have any special effects? Oh, yeah, I adore the special effects in this movie. Like, um, if I feel like if you're just a fan of any kind of genre movie with special effects, you should just build a shrine to Willis O'Brien and <laughs> thank him. Like, just, like, all the great legends, Harryhausen, the CGI artist for Jurassic Park, um, all of them can kind of trace um, th- their art back to his stop motion and like yeah. even him as the original is just i want to say unmatched because that's kind of unfair to the people he inspired and obviously they had better technology to work with but it's just really amazing just how lifelike all the creatures in this movie are and yeah just how impressive the effects hold up. Like, obviously, when you kind of, like, look at stuff, you can notice the obvious Matei paintings. You can notice the kind of stiffness of the dinosaurs and stuff. But this was made in 1933. <laughs> so yeah. it's, like, it's just an achieve, absolute achievement of technology, so. And, like, honestly, having seen Lost 25, and you've seen it two times, as great as the effects look in that movie, the amount of improvement Willis O'Brien had from that to this is astronomical. Yeah, it's like light years ahead in such a short period of time. Yeah. So, before we go further, though, 
I think we have to address the elephant in the room as crash time behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and that the problematic elements of Kong City Surge. Ton, I'm not putting you on the spot, but do you want to kind of start us off? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, King Kong, just as a movie, has kind of a colorful history to it, and kind of the fact that it's based off a myriad of things and elements in this movie. First off, it's based off kind of the adventure genre, which is kind of a genre that's has a reputation for being kind of a colonialist narrative, you know, it's the, I mean, literally in this movie, um, uh, I believe it's Carl Denham is like, we're the first white man to lay eyes yeah, <laughs> on this island, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though it has people on it, so it's just like, it's kind of a very kind of, um, I guess ethnocentric viewpoint of yeah. you know a white person going into a place that's exotic and there's all these savage natives and, and weird like, creatures else that I found interesting too also mm. in a bad way not a good way um is when they're talking about the wall they're like oh the natives didn't build that some other civilization that's gone now built it yeah they're like and it's like what are you implying there by saying the black people didn't build it <laughs> That's like a really weird line. It's like, I don't know why they didn't teach better than that. Like, you can't give them too much. Like, no, they're not allowed to build that wall. <laughs> yeah. And then... Oh, go, go ahead, Faye. Uh-oh, no, 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 um, the natives of Skull Island, who are not named, I don't believe, but I'll just call them the, no. I'll just call them the Skull Islanders, because it's easy. Um, they kidnap Andaro, a white woman, and offer her up as a sacrifice to Kong, and I kind of yeah, made and, just... <laughs> and I also, I also have to specify, they entirely abandoned their initial idea of sacrificing one of their own for a white woman, because they're like... Golden woman better. Yeah, like she's more beautiful than our woman, which is a whole. That's that's a whole. That could be a whole video of itself on just that kind of narrative yeah. and issues. And the whole narrative you have, there's kind of like been a narrative that's popped up. It's like you had this big dark gorilla creature who's lust after a white woman and wants her, and then he. Get dies for it. So you can kind of see where there's some people kind of look at King Kong and, you know, they, they start hitting the, the the Among Us button. <laughs> Kong kind of wow. sus. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was too good. But yeah, continue. Mm hmm. So, there's kind of a racial element, and then there's just the fact that this is a movie from the 1930s, so there's <laughs> there's a lot of sexism in the dialogue. Yeah. The, the... Yeah, which I think, interestingly, with the sexism to bring up, I heard the idea 
that there's actually a bit of like satire to it, and I can kind of see it to be honest with you for that one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to a degree. But at the same point, though, if you don't know that element, it's still really fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of points, like mm-hmm. the bit when Jack Denham fucking smacks Anne in the face by accident. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, by the way, sorry." Yeah. This is this is or like wait real quick or the funniest line is when Ed tells Jack, but Jack, you hate women. Yeah, but you're not woman. Yeah, you're not a woman. You're not an average woman. Yeah. And like so much bitching about like woman on ships and stuff. And even the beginning, Carl Denham's like, I don't wanna have an actress in this movie. I'm being forced into it. And so just a lot of that really dank stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's what I was asking. If you, if you think it being written by a woman, like, does that not change anything for you? It kind of does for me with the sexism. Because, like, to me, that makes it feel less... I like, feel like there's a bit of... Yeah. Yeah, it feels... I, I'm not going to say it's definitely satire. But I can actually kind of see the argument that it's kind of satirizing it a bit mm-hmm. by showing because like because Anne does kind of fight back against it too a little bit, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying she's no fucking like I don't know like 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 Princess Leia or Ellen Ripley here, but I think she does kind of fight back against it more than you'd expect from a usual damsel in distress. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. So that kind of gives the sexism at least not a pass, but a little bit of a different lens to me. The racism, though. Racism. Oh, uh, there's no fucking saving that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most, like, one of the most egregious racist things. Oh, yeah, we forgot to have, mention it. They have the, the Chinese guy. And they yeah, the Chinese cook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, you know, no way shit. Like, they, really, they really wrote it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so dead. I honestly think, and this isn't to diminish how racist the Skull Island stuff is, I almost think, though, that Charlie the Chinese Cook is worse than that that's, that's how I felt, because it just feels really... Because mm-hmm. okay, one, he doesn't even play, like, a role in the story besides finding out what happened to Anne and then going. And yeah. like I said, they just write it with racial lines to make you feel like they're very wrong. <laughs> like, he does yeah. that Because, like, yeah, obviously, Skull Island is, like, I... With them, I feel it's more about like the context around them that makes it really like offensive. Like, it's still yeah. Close. Yeah. But with the, him, it's just more like upfront, like, whoa, look at the Chinese guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The Skull Islanders also, I'm not going to say it's good because it's not, but there's a bit more nuanced at the times. Like, for example, none of the Skull Islanders are played by people like I hate to say it, but at the time, that is actually impressive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that happened. <laughs> good job. <laughs> For 1933, the fact that none of the Skull Islanders were played by people in blackface and were all played by black actors is generally impressive. Mm-hmm. What is... And, Tom, do you want to go into, like, the stuff with them helping out? I know you had thoughts on that, too. Sure. Yeah, so... It's some some thoughts I kind of had that's, like, interesting, but at the same well, time... Well, by the okay. way, I hate to say it. 
But I'm going to put out there, just for anybody listening, Tone is black, so Tone has... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I really haven't mentioned that, have I? No, no, no but anyway, yeah. Just kind of my own personal feelings. It's interesting to me that, like I said, Kong's kind of takes influence from a popular genre of uh, magazine and book novels at the time, which is adventure books, which is like... Guy goes to the exotic place, fights natives, maybe fights a gorilla or something and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, with the Skull Islanders, one thing I kind of noticed is that while they do kidnap Anne and you see kind of like the crew basically grabbing all their guns and they rush to the island, uh, they don't actually kill any islanders. They like shoot over their heads and then they hide in their huts and they don't like take revenge on them. I don't know if that was like intentional to make the crew seem more noble or it's just kind of like just it was just interesting to me because I don't think anyone would have bad an eye at that time if they had like killed any of the natives but the fact that the film didn't resort to that is interesting to me and then just kind of as Faye mentioned during the final fight, well, not the final fight, before Kong is captured and taken to New York City, he breaks through the wall, separating their village from the jungle, and we see Kong kind of going on a Godzilla-style rampage through the village, and we kind of see the crew and the skull and the warriors of this islander tribe kind of working together to defend the village, and we kind of see them and they're kind of shown in a sympathetic manner. And yeah. I, it's, I don't think it kind of absolves the stereotypes yeah. and other stuff in the movie. But it is interesting that they're, like, they're not shown as just being like one yeah. sat, evil savages. Well, like one example to me, which I found interesting at least, was that they had a scene showing one of the Skull Island kids in danger where you're meant to feel concerned for the kid. Mm-hmm. Which, as much as I fucking hate to say it, it really shows how fucked up they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was not common back in the day to make make POC characters or even individuals like worthy of that. As fucking that is. Yeah, I so mean, though, <laughs> go on. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll drop my. Oh, no. So I was gonna say, though it is interesting to me that they had that be a big scene where you want to see the mom save her baby. Mm-hmm. As fucked as that is to have to say about nineteen. Yeah, because like, like to kind of be blunt, I mean, this is the time period where like lynchings were an epidemic in America, and like yeah. people would not go to jail if they killed a black person. If I'm being honest, and, I, and before anyone comes at me, like source, blah, 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 look up just any anything thing about racial violence in America pre-1970s. That was yeah. that was just the rule of thumb. Anyway. I agree with you guys. It's weird, because, like, while obviously the movie is, like, racial violence, it's weird to feel like it's, like, not as racist as it should have been. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, when Kantanese is racist, but in comparison to how bad the racism could get in the 30s, it's not the worst. I'm just saying. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it, it's kind of just to a degree. 
and that's really far from the movie, which is literally about white woman harder than our woman goes to her. <laughs> yeah, we were talking. to our monkey god. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the point of like contention. It's weird. So like, I don't know how to like how to feel. It's obviously bad, but it's also like not as like, that's not good either. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I keep. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just kind of a thing to think about, because it's like, it's a recency thing, because, like, you think about, like, you know, the, you know, racist movie of the past, Birth of a Nation, that came out in, um, 1915, yeah, that was so, <laughs> yeah, so that movie was not even 20 years old, and D.W. Griffith, the director of it, would still be alive and well during 1933, so... I don't want to say Kong, King Kong represents any kind of change in ideals, but just the fact that it's so different, I guess. Yeah. Like, and I also feel like Kong series racism, besides probably the Chinese book, who was really there to be comedy. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's blatantly a stereotype of like Chinese immigrants. It's like Chinese people do yeah. not talk like that. They don't look like that. Like, well, I, it makes you feel bad for the actor who I checked, and thankfully Victor Wong was was also, well, you know, properly cast. So. Yeah, that's the interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't keep it there. <laughs> it's just like Kong Thirty is complicated because, like, it's like you said. It's not as racist as it could have been, but it's still very racist. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I guess go real quick, Ton, what do you think about the Kong being a black person idea? Uh, to be blunt, uh, can I curse? <laughs> yeah. I think it's bullshit, honestly. <laughs> like, the thing is, while, yes, the Skull Islanders are kind of a racial stereotype of indigenous, and to be honest, to a degree, black people as well, I cannot agree with that with King Kong himself. Because yeah. the thing is, like, the entire film kind of treats him as an animal. He's not really humanized all that much. It's just kind of treated like an exotic creature. Um... You know, he looks he looks like a gorilla, he acts like a gorilla, he's not like shown to have a man like intelligence or anything. If anything, he's kinda just shown as like a dumb creature. And some just a quick glance around I saw that the directors really denied having intended yeah, for Kong. Because the thing is if you'll forget, the people who started that idea were the fucking Nazis. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's certainly a lot to discuss about the kind of racial 
ideology of Moses this movie, but that's towards the humans. And Kong himself is like, it's just, I don't know, I just don't really see it myself. I don't get that feeling. <laughs> He's just, yeah. He is just monkey. Well, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> it was a tangent. Uh, oh, no. I was, I was just, I was just going to quickly move on, so Crash and Ton, you guys can make your closing thoughts. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, <laughs> I don't mean anything related, but, like, near the, like, like, the end of the movie when, like, Kong's climbing the building, and she grabs a random ass girl, it's just like, damn, that was my fucking niece. Yeah. Also, another random ass white girl, but just, like, I don't know, he's, he's clearly this after Jess fucking ass, I guess. Yeah. Just fucking... He's a horny monkey. <laughs> Yeah, and just there's kind of a mix of things like that. Just Kong doesn't really come across as supposed to be representing a human, and then just even then, like someone you kind of point out a phase that Kong's a sympathetic figure. Yeah. So even if it was allegorical, which I don't really think it is, would would it really be sympathetic to Kong if that was the case? Yeah. <laughs> Like, and I guess that's kind of an interesting scene, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm just saying, if you were going to put, well, Kong would be a black guy, then isn't he kind of allegorical for slavery? Yeah, because it's like he's taken from his home, he's taken to this exotic place in chains, then he breaks out and dies, and then the main characters sympathize with him. Like, it's not, if it that was the intent, which I don't think it was yeah <laughs> it's like if that was the theme it wouldn't be a good one but that would still yeah. be a sympathetic one not to mention also how, how, how they end up wrecking the Skull Islanders village mm-hmm. so if you weren't going to view it through that lens it would be more anti-colonialism than anything if yeah. you viewing it through that lens yeah cause like we're not really supposed to walk out of this film thinking that Carl Denham and his crew are good people. Yeah. <laughs> like, Anne's kind of more a victim than anything. But we can yeah. go into that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, does anyone have anything else to say about the racism and sexism in, this, in, the, in the movie? Or are we good to move on? Mm. I feel like we've covered it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did, did you have anything to add, or are you good? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Alright, so I guess we start off with the characters then. And I think we should start off with Carl Dennis, who is probably one of the most iconic characters, and he was played by Robert Armstrong. Yep, very classic character which I used in it just to get this movie finished. Yeah. <laughs> Go through fucking dinosaurs, skull island, fucking killer ass bron- brontosaurus. <laughs> it's fucking insane. He he's cool. I like him. He's just out there to get his movie done. One of those characters you're supposed to be like, yeah, that guy's kind of cool. But you also <laughs> find him kind of like endearing, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. So yeah, like I feel like all, like a lot of the characters in this movie, besides maybe like uh, Baby Jack, I don't know, are generally at least interesting to watch. And very, mm-hmm. very like they kind of set a standard, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Like, characters yeah. Missing each other. So yeah, so Carl, I like him. He's sweet. Tom. Yeah. I- Carl Denham's probably one of the most charming characters in the town. I guess the franchise, I'll say. And especially Kong 33. He has a lot of charisma. Robert Armstrong really brings a lot into the role. And, like, he really feels like kind of just 
the the type of director you would see at the time, like someone who's like very, yeah. very cocky, just wants to make as many movies as he possibly can, and kind of make his book an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you almost kind of want to root for Carl Dunham as much of a douche as he kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, see, like me, the best example of that is like Carl Dunham's an asshole, but when he sold Anne on it. You can't buy into with him, like, it's a trip of a lifetime, the adventure of a century. Like, he's a very good salesman. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very, like, a, a classic, like, character. From the he's like... He's like the Monroe guy from Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he almost kind of comes across as, like, a younger, more cocky version of, um... Oh, my God, I forgot his name. In Jurassic Park, the old man. Grandpa. Oh, yeah, he almost feels like a young Hammond from Jurassic Park in a way to make a, you know, a comparison. That, it's like he's cocky, but he has this vision. So I, I love yeah. Carl. He's like, very passionate. Like he does care. Yeah. Like, he's like, kind of an asshole about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with Carl Denham, I, I agree with you guys said, but I'll just add something else. Funny enough. Apparently, he was based off of off of one of the two directors, Marion Seagull, which I think is really <laughs> funny because if you view it through that satire lens, it's almost like Lou Ferrose is kind of getting Marion C. Cooper's neck. Like, <laughs> you're an asshole. You don't give a shit about anybody. And the only you care about is, is making your movie. So I think that's really funny to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I wonder who this character is based on. <laughs> <laughs> And she's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that, that moves us to the next big character, which is Ann Dara, played by Faye Ray. Shares my name. Sure. Ann's really kind of one of the standout characters in this movie. While, I, like Faye said, she's not really, she's no Ellen Ripley or um, Princess Leia. She does kind of have like a little spunk and charm. We kind of see her out in the streets, you know, struggling because it's the Depression. It's post-World War One, not yeah. World War Two yet. Everyone was four in America. <laughs> so you can kind of, you sympathize from her from the get-go when Carl kind of sweeps her off the street and she wants to be, be an actress. Um, She's a very likable character. Faye Ray really gets into the role and makes her, like, come across as this kind of young, naive actress. And then, I just really want to shout out, like, Faye Ray's acting with the Kong animatronic after Anne's kidnapped. Because Anne doesn't have a lot of dialogue after the yeah. beginning of the movie, which is kind of a shame. But, um, like, Faye Ray had uh, some, some, one of the reasons she got cast is because she does this amazing, like, Wow, this is gonna sound weird. She does this really good screen that's really, really loud, yeah. really just terrified. And like once again, like we said earlier, it was like, yeah, we saw the giant monkey, but she like would see like at most like a big, <laughs> yeah, like a random cutout or like a big puppet arm that's like grabbing her. So she, the fact that she like reacted so realistically. Yeah. is so good and it really sells kind of Anne's terror so like Anne 
doesn't get the most depth after the intro. Um, I feel like they make it her really charming in the beginning, so you get, kind of get yeah. why you know everyone cares about Anne, why they like want her back from Kong. So I'll also just add, there's a reading of the film where she's meant to be a bit of a self-insert for Ruth Rose, which kind of makes it very funny to me. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's as much there as it is with the next character, though, but I'll save a bit more of my commentary for that. But the next character is Jack Driscoll, who was played by Bruce Cabot, whose original name was French name I cannot pronounce. So I get why they changed it. Especially <laughs> back then. I cannot pronounce this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, there you go, Crash. Spanish and French are close enough. So I, I, I get why you're able to. If I butchered that, let me know, though. But I think I did good. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was Bruce Cavett's original name. Anyways, I'll give you go first with Jack Driscoll. Um, I think he's kind of flat. He's very much the generic <laughs> everyman hot guy they would throw into these movies. Mm-hmm. As the leading man, yeah, he's kind of a dick in this one too. Like you said. <laughs> he's always yeah, everything on the crew. Is always like I fucking hate Wolfie. I can't <laughs> <this> so much. <laughs> Why is <laughs> like she here? Like he ends up being heroic, but it's so like jarring from how he was earlier, where he's like such a dick, like I said, when he fucking accidentally smacks Anne's face, he's like, oh, <laughs> forgot to say sorry. That was pretty best, hard, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. his best moments are definitely like on Torado, he's like searching for her. Yeah. <laughs> but the single reason why I find that funny is, apparently he's meant to be the other director, Ernest B. Schoetzak, and I just don't know, Ruth Rose, what the fuck was going on in your marriage? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, he's awful to, to end in this movie. <laughs> but he's so rugged, though. Self-insert, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he, he's definitely a very flawed character. He's like a cool guy. He's very, just kind of like a yeah. hot shot, too cool for everyone. But... Not to compare them too much, but it's kind of funny. And then also, too, there's some elements. He compares himself from Kong 33 to Gojira. How much more likable Ogata is in Gojira? Yeah. Jack Ogata is in, in this. Yeah, that's like Ogata drinks his respect woman juice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, after once he got on Skull Island, I think Jack becomes a lot more tolerable because he's yeah. somehow completely he's just less more likable. I don't know if he's like likable or just not. Yeah, because he's so focused on saving Anne, he doesn't get a chance to I be. I just want to count the 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe making you respect him. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he's, what, yeah, probably the least likable of the main trio. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, um, J- Jack's an interesting character. He's very much the kind of the generic strong man of the time. He's kind of a rugged, tough guy. Um, there's not a lot to the character, um, but I think Bruce Cabot does a good job. Someone crashed point out was interesting. He's like, he kind of has a similar film presence as Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sounds like Harrison Ford, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And he kind of has that impression. I could see, I mean, I don't want to speak for Harrison Ford. He can feel free to. Call, hit me up and correct me, but I'll, you can cut. <laughs> yeah, he definitely lost his. You can kind of see the influence. Um, well, the funniest thing is, I think it's because he actually went on to do a lot of westerns mm-hmm. with John Wayne. Oh wow, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> um, I feel like Jack. He he serves his purpose. He he uh, not to go into later movies. I feel like. Kong 2005 kind of gave him more depth. His Congo fights Jack so much better as a character. Yeah. But we can get into that when we get to Congo yeah. 5. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, Don't fresh. remind me. Now, now you know our pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, Jack's alright. Not the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the, 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 Once again, kind of shout out to all the POC actors who play the <laughs> all non-white characters in this movie. Yeah, y'all y'all didn't get a lot of work back then, but you know you did good jobs for what you had. So good, yeah, good work there. So that reminds me of one funny thing I want to talk about real quick before mm-hmm. I move on to the next topic. Yep, yep. That's the scene when the Skull Island Chieftain or the Witch Doctor, I forget which one. Walking forward, and you see the kid stand up, moving out of the way, and you see what I presume is his mom having to grab him. Oh, yeah, that one. And I, and I don't know if that's on purpose or if it's a goof, but it kills me every time I it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's such a little, like, nice little moment. But yeah, but though, before we move on to the, the monsters, I want to talk about the fact I guess it's um, uh, valid here. This movie. For a while, had its full version lost because it got censored by the um, uh, by the Motion Picture Co. After, after it got released, when it got instituted for being too violent and sexy. Yeah, true. Dude, they, they saw that. <gasps> oh, well, as funny enough, Mr. Cash, I have to say, for 1930, this movie was actually pretty racist. Pretty what? Pretty racist. Oh, I taste of racism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done that already. It is pretty racist. <laughs> But I meant, um, uh, it was pretty racy for the time. Like, Tom, you know what? I'm gonna fucking put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude, this is your topic. Alright, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. 
it was a different time back then. We're talking about an era when, like, wearing a bikini at the beach would probably make a t- an army of old people descend on you with the wrath of God. So, like, showing skin and public morals was kind of like, um, it was kind of a big deal back yeah, then. Because, like, Ed shows not just the ankle or even the calf, but the whole leg. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I guess... Like the scene when Kong's addressing her. Mm-hmm. And this was before, like, World War Two, so film noir wasn't big yet, so movies just weren't really expected to be that sexual. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that, like, you see Fay Ray getting stripped, you know, so you see her whole leg. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds really bad. For anyone who hasn't seen Kong, King Kong... Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. like, she loses her clothes, so you can kind of see, like, her legs, a bit of her chest and stuff. Oh. Either way, you're spreading so funny. Yeah. Like, 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 you, like, like, you look at, like, her outfit, like, even on the fucking ship, it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they kind of give Jack brought, I mean, not Carl didn't brought all these like fat, exotic looking clothes for her. <laughs> Definitely not the normal fashion. So, you and know. then violence wise, it's pretty violent <laughs> for the 1930s. Like, you see Colin chewing people. Don't tell that they was, did. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, that's one of the things I wanted to tell her. But the way Kong like deals with like humans, he just well, like, there was no rating yet. Well, I was gonna say like there was like general stuff, yeah. Yeah, like, because for example, the reason why I thought of is, um, in Dracula, they cut the scene from the book where Dracula cuts his chest open and has um, uh, what's her name, okay. Mina, and has Mina drink his blood. Universal made that scene not be for fear of backlash. So I feel like that's why they didn't have anyone eat anybody, if you notice. That, that's what I was going to say, because I actually think that helps, like, has it cut. Some, some of Kong's character gives him a lot of, like, savage yeah, like, like, he just, like, yeah. grabs a person and just fucking, like, bites them. And just, like, throws them out. Yeah. Or, 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 like, when Kong steps on people, or the brother yeah. molds people. <laughs> I, I kind of I like it, though, because it's, like, a weird <laughs> shot. Like, yeah. Yeah, Son, do you have anything else on the violence aspect? Yeah, the violence is like, this movie is really kind of gruesome for like an older movie. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's a lot of death and a lot, a lot of it's kind of regulated the puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get some good ones like when Kong steps on people or the one yeah. shot where you see an actor in the Kong's, in Kong's mouth. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, it, this is all peak normal to us now. We're kind of desensitized yeah. to it, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, because, because, like I said, they they could even show Dracula killing people on screen. Mm-hmm. You, you can kind of see why in 1933 Karen might be a little angry if <laughs> she brought her little one to see King Kong. <laughs> the is, this movie is actually cited as one of the reasons why they made the third one. Yeah. <laughs> For being too violent and sexy. Mm-hmm. And, um, Congress yeah, mm-hmm. so don't save that crash, save, hold, hold that song. And I said that's a good... Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I guess some of the women have any thoughts, or should we move on finally to the creatures? Creature time. Okay. Alright, so I guess we should start with the titular King Kong. What did you guys think of King Kong's first, first film? Debut. <laughs> 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 like the monkey in a scary 
was <laughs> he has such a cool presence. His introduction to him is so awesome. The the stop motion with all like the way the way he introduced everything. He's just cool. I can see why he made such an impact because he can just stay there forever. He's just awesome. Now that explain it. Kong's just cool, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kong. Uh, uh, the thing with King Kong is like, even though he doesn't have like as many movies as Godzilla, he doesn't have this consistent franchise. He remains one of the most popular movie monsters, if not almost on par with Godzilla, if not more. Mm-hmm. Godzilla. I feel like Kong and Godzilla are about on par mm-hmm. worldwide, but in America, I'd say Kong is at least bigger than Godzilla. But... Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, it's just easy to see why he became so iconic from this movie. Um, everything from his design is like, yeah, he's a giant gorilla more or less, but they kind of really changed him up from a Regular yeah, that's the thing. Like, 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 I feel like the way that Kong walks in this movie makes him feel less gorilla and more like a man gorilla. Yeah. Like, we're like hybrid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're still like the appearance of like gorilla. So it, it gives him that weird sort of familiarity to like weirdness too. Like he's clearly yeah. like a monster. Like, mm-hmm. not just yeah. Like Godzilla. He's like a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he he doesn't feel like. An animal. Well, okay. I just said he did minutes like ago. <laughs> yeah, he d- he doesn't feel like a normal animal. He doesn't feel like you know, like in the old mo- older monster movies where they would just take like you know like a lizard. <laughs> yeah, take like a spider, slap it on a table and record it, or take like a lizard and put a horn hat on it so it looks like a <laughs> dragon. <laughs> it's like they made an unnatural kind of missing link in the ape family. Yeah. And... And what? Oh, go on. Just, like, like kind of... This Kong doesn't have as much personality as later Kongs, mm-hmm. but he has this real, like, kind of, like, you know, ruthless, tough nature to him that just makes him really I like, intimidating. I like the little moments that, like, Melissa Bryant added, added a lot. Like, I love his little victory on a chest bump, like, chest pounding when he kills the Rex. Or like when he plays with like the jaws of the animals he kills, like the, yeah, like the Rex. I think, I think he had like a good amount of personality here. Like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. sense of him like being like being a bit what's the word skilled and like know what he's doing on the ride. Like, yeah. You can tell, like he, I don't know if he controls it, but he mm-hmm. has a presence there, and I like yeah. it. Like, all little things you said, the way he fights, his little motion and movements, like kind of choreography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool to see. Yeah, and there's even a bit of humor because like, um. There's one scene where he's like grabbing Ann in the jungle. He has like this goofy grin on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that bit. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. <laughs> and like honestly, his rampage on Skull Island with the village and then in New York are just so iconic. Because these were really the first ever monster on the loose to like be like a monster. Like there was the Brontosaurus in Washington Five, but that to me is odd. It's really like a precursor. But Kong feels like the first one because he's not a real animal. Yeah. So you have this these really iconic imagery. Like him climbing the Empire State Building is iconic. But like it made the Empire State Building part of why it's so iconic today for New York City. Mm-hmm. Which like 
much like Crash pointed out when we watched, there's still, like, stuff in the Empire State Building devoted to that. Yeah, the last time I went there, they had a whole floor dedicated to, like, the scale of, like, each cast member. It's really cool. Yeah. Like, 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 kind of cool there. But, uh, yeah, like, his staple there is, like, the Empire State Building. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Even though, like, bigger buildings have been built, people are always like, oh, yeah, that's the Empire State Building. It's like, it feels like it. Yeah. And, like, that New York City, this breakout scene is so cool. Like, him, like, smashing cars and, like you said, chucking out other uh, other other white girls out of windows when I began. <laughs> yeah. He's a monkey on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he... Like, that's... Oh, go on. Yeah, a lot of iconic kind of giant monster kaiju tropes really got their start in this movie. Like, yeah. you gotta have your giant monster attack a train. You gotta have them yeah. fight the military. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All that's in this movie. Or or not to mention, of course, the first ever monster fighting a military scene because they have him fighting the planes. Mm-hmm. Which is such an iconic like closing set piece. Mm-hmm. With planes that are now so old now those biplanes. So it's kind of funny to see like the time period. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I love that fucking guy though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Tons of plane guys, so he definitely will have some <laughs> some planes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, got it right here. Apparently, they were uh, Curtis F H C five Helldiver planes. Huh. <laughs> and you have to imagine how hard it must have been to film that. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. But yeah, Crash, go on. Move, 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 what you were gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, like, I, that, that movie all comes very well, like, on, like, just in his introduction, he has to introduce himself, yeah. as a monster, and just has so many, like, tropes and standards for, like, each monster in the film, like, they yeah. just feel like they're their own thing. Yeah, and the other monsters in this movie, which I think are just as iconic, to be honest, are all the dinosaurs of Skull Island, so whoever wants to start first on them. I'll let you go with Connie. <laughs> All right, so if you if you're gonna know anything about me, and I'm probably hopefully well, never mind, already right. I'll cut it. <laughs> so if there's anything you need to know about me, it's that I love retro dinosaurs. Um, mm -hmm. now don't take that to me. I don't like modern dinosaurs. I go to museums. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think science ruined dinosaurs. Love modern dinosaurs, but I also love classical representations of dinosaurs, like, and the dinosaurs in King Kong are just the, just really, yeah, they're yeah. just classic, if you, I'm gonna make some really nerdy rush here, so, um, if you love the art of Charles R. Knight, who's like a classic, yes. historic paleo artist, um, any cool painting you've seen of a dinosaur was probably inspired by his art. Look him up. You'll probably recognize yeah. something. Um, they really brought his art to life with the dinosaurs, like the Brontosaurus, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, and the Stegosaurus. They yeah. they just... Um, they move so naturally. They're, they look awesome. They're so huge. Probably way bigger than they would be in real life. It works really well. Like, they just feel epic and awe-inspiring when you mm -hmm. see them. And it's just, like, it's really nice to kind of see, like, even though they're not, I doubt they were made to be accurate to the science yeah. at the time, 
but just as movie monsters, they feel incredibly lifelike. Like just yeah, dinosaurs come alive. Yeah, and like there's so many iconic scenes with them. Like obviously, first off, we've got King Kong fighting the T Rex, which is just such an iconic since Crash was gonna bring up. It's a really great fight scene. Very well choreographed. Very well done. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, when I was watching it, I was just like, damn, like, it's gonna be like, really engaging, like, really awesome to watch, like, any cool monster fight. It's done yeah. nice and crazy, but, like, it's really amazing how well they did that fight. It's so cool. And then Kong just fucking snapping his jaw. Yeah, it, 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 it's very visceral. Mm-hmm. And the Rex just has such a unique look to it, like, not like any other Rex before, since, like, he has, like, this almost, like, crocodilian kind yeah. of lizard like scaling to him and he also has three fingers which to make it dirty on a reference <laughs> is because of the fact that they didn't know how many fingers T-Rex had at this point in time mm-hmm. so it was always to make one of two fingers like Albertosaurus who had had um, Albertosaurus was one of those other Tyrannosaurus who had there or was it three fingers like Alligator and such and this movie went with three fingers mm-hmm. so this is just an awesome design though looks cool in the fight with Kong it's just so brutal and like just really unique because I mean like who would think to make your giant monkey snap a T-Rex's mouth open in order to kill it like I don't know if I was finding an alligator I probably wouldn't try that but I'm not Kong so (laughs) So the funniest thing is the whole point is when we initially started as a gorilla fighting a Kimono Dragon movie but they're like we have to go more epic like this. And that's how you got it being King Kong, being a giant gorilla, fighting. Yeah, fighting mm-hmm. not a Kimono Dragon, but a fucking T Rex. Mm-hmm. Just such an upgrade. I love you, Kimono Dragons, but T Rexes are cool. Like, I can only imagine, like, the original plan was just to get, like, an actual gorilla to go begin with. Funny enough, they're actually gonna go do it with compositing, but they're like, dude, that's gonna be a pain in the ass to compose it. Instead, we'll have our guy be painstaking stop. <laughs> yeah, we're glad that... there's so many other like like little iconic bits too, like the Stegosaurus, the, oh, yeah. which they 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 debut with dinosaurs in that. I love how they just fucking kill it. Like, <laughs> they're just like kill it. Hilarious. And they mm-hmm. walk by it, they're like tinier than its fucking scale. Yeah. Really funny how big they how big they could eat them. And and, and this like, first also has the wrong amount of like tail spikes too. It has like it has like eight instead of six. <laughs> and I think with all the creatures on store on here, this is the ultimate score out of here. So dangerous. Yeah. And mysterious. Because they're everywhere. <laughs> like even yeah. like like just in the cave, you have the Elasmosaurus come out of nowhere and attack attack Kong and Anne. They're always mm-hmm. like fighting. Like there's always some vicious animal mm-hmm. like, from there. And my personal favorite little fight scene also is when Kong fights the Pteranodon to sort of kidnap Anne. Just love that bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get Anne to him. <laughs> and Ton, I'll let you talk about your boys because it's probably the most weird one. And that's the Brontosaurus. Oh yeah. So, where you one not dinosaur inclined because I'm about to draw some t- terminology here. You know the big dinosaurs with the long necks; those are sauropods. There, all you need to know. So sauropods are herbivores, but I guess you know they didn't think that was cool enough. So the Brontosaurus and King Kong is a meat eater. 
Well, if there were eight people, I, I, I will, I will, uh, Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess, so, Mayo was just pissed off, which I guess a sore pod could do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting just seeing, like, a sore pod kind of, um. Being a dick. Especially yeah. Because later on in Congo 5, their brontosauruses are nothing like this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it kind of pops out of the water like a hippo, which is not. Oh my gosh, I'm getting hurt. Yeah, that's not accurate to science today, but at the time, that's what people thought sauropods did because they're so big. Anyway, it pops out of the water, starts eating the crew, chasing them. Well, not eating them, like chewing them up, spit them out, crushing them. Yeah, it's really brutal. And it's kind of just really interesting to see compared to now because now sauropods after Jurassic Park are kind of like serene creatures, peaceful. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they just did that just for the film. But the funniest to me is a guy who goes up to the fucking tree. It's like that's it. The one with the big neck, you get a triangle up high. Yeah. It's honestly oh, such a, like... yeah. No, I'm sorry. no, it's just like it's honestly such a moment. Like, okay, I probably I'm probably speaking kind of early here since we you know have a ton of movies to watch for, but I think Kong Thirty Three has one of my favorite menagerie of creatures. Same. Like, I certainly love all the other Kong movies, especially two thousand five. But I feel like this one. So, so you love Kong Seventy Six, <laughs> Oh God. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see when I we get to the Yeah. Yeah. Not like accurate, but it fits well here. It's just really weird. I guess it makes the whole island feel very pristine. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, also with like the cut animals that were cut, seeing there's going to be a Ceratosaurus, which got cut, got cut for time. There was also going to be um. Uh, the whole pit, yeah, the whole pit of like weird animals. I mean, all we got from that was the lizard with two legs, that that Jack face. That's a very interesting one because animal shows up like literally every time. Like, uh, yeah, but it inspires the scope bones later on in Kong Show Island, which is it's a very weird thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just climbs up and just. Died. <laughs> yeah. Would you had some going? Oh. No, just, yeah, like you said, those, I was actually going to mention the, the pit and stuff. Yeah, there's lots of lot, fun little creatures in this movie. And I feel like it had a good balance between making them distinct while kind of having a nice kind of groundedness to them mm-hmm. that I feel like the other Kong movies kind of struggle with. I, I, I We'll get into those when we get to them. Yeah. Alright, does anyone have any other thoughts on, on any of the creatures, or, or is everybody good? Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Alaskan sources, the snake one. Yeah, the Alaskan sources, which is nothing like. Yeah, and it's nothing like actual plesiosaurus that they're trying to pull away with this. Everything's trying to kill Kong. Every time it gets anywhere in front of Kong, they're like, yeah, I'm gonna kill three of you now. They're all fighting in the air. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, anybody else, or is that it? Uh, that's it. <laughs> okay. Real quick, before we close out, I have one final topic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say, 
the music in this film was like, like you can really tell the music in this film, which was composed by Max Steiner. He, the Max Steiner's score for Concert 33 really like informed how film scores would be done for blockbusters in the future. I feel like of genre films. Yeah, I would agree. Like, like that Kong scene is like so iconic. Yeah, every. No, no, fuck, it's fine. Yeah, like all the tracks in this movie are just very charming, very like they very exciting, keep your attention. Like it doesn't really slow down, but they always feel fitting. It's it's, yeah. a, it's very well made. Crash, did you have did you have anything else to say? Or is that it? I, feel, I pretty much just said it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about with Kong Thirty Three, or are we yes. going to close out? Um, yeah. Two things. One, I'm happy that my nose hair is getting better as time went through. I haven't. Yo, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this movie, <laughs> it's it, it just called the Eye and it has Skull Mountain on it. But uh, it's funny because even in the the Extreme Max Extreme, when they say they seem to like Skull Island. Oh, yeah, at this point, mm-hmm. it's it, it's just been retro- retroactively called yeah. Skull Island. I mean, I don't mind. It's a cool name. I like it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was also I noticed in watching this, they never call Kong Illustrated. Yeah, they do. They do? When? Forever? When, 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 when he's on Broadway, yeah. Well, that, no, I'm saying no one says it. They I mean, I guess. But I mean, you have this. It's in the title, and they have it on the letters, but they never mention Kong. But they call him Kong King of... That's not the same thing. That's not King Kong. That's Kong. Okay, Kong. 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 Kong.
Yeah, but that, that was it for me. <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, Crash, what are your closest thoughts on King Kong? Yeah, the very classic, iconic stage, super enjoyable, but very marked. There's a lot of aspects of it that just kind of ignore, but at the same yeah. time, they're also kind of the fault of the period, more so, mm-hmm. than, like, specifically the people who made Kong, I feel. <laughs> so I think it's important to watch it with that kind of, uh, at the same time, Yeah. And by the way, I want to add, none of us here are white, so you can't kill us out. Ha ha ha. Anyways, oh, I'm up. Don, what are your thoughts on King Kong? Okay, King Kong 1933 is definitely one of the the most fun. I mean, well, it's a really fun classic monster movie. You can really see why it kicked off the genre. I highly recommend it. I like it a lot. But I'm a person who really likes older movies. And mm-hmm. I watch them all the time. I, so it's... Too more to my taste. If you're more fond of modern movies, you might not enjoy it as much. And also, oh, go ahead, Crash. Uh, I was gonna say, I, I, I definitely feel like this one, like especially for the like the time period, I think it's generally pretty fast paced. I think yeah. it's enjoyable even for people who are like, you know, like unless just in general just monotone parts, people don't like that. I think they might. Be. But definitely. See okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. As far as like the problematic elements, like I said, I can kind of get over them. If you can't, I won't blame you. But I think, but I would just argue or well suggest it's like consider the time period, and that's not to apologize for the movie. That's yeah. just saying to kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's like you don't need to intimately familiarize yourself with 1930s Hollywood. I mean, be good if you did. but it's like just be kind of aware of that and try not ah never mind forget that scratch that last bit (laughs) yeah it's just just keep an open mind when you watch it but be and just kind of form your own thoughts and analysis it's important to be cautious yeah but also yeah, as mm-hmm. I can hear, it's too mm-hmm. I like, like for me, um, I'd say Kong series here is a classic. I don't think it's the best giant monster movie like some people think. It's not even kind of heretical, but it's not even my top ten. However, I do think it's a classic, and I think it's a great movie, and it holds up very well for a movie made now, approaching 100 years ago, which is fucking nuts. This movie turns 100. In tw- in eleven years, which is insane. That's so crazy. yeah, it it really deserves the props for them for giving birth to the giant monster genre. I just say, go into it expecting stuff you wouldn't see now, for better and for worse. More often for worse, to be honest. Like expect the racism, the sexism, and don't go into it blind to that stuff. I'd say because it will catch you off guard. I'd also say though in terms of stuff you see a lot though also just the stop motion is just so impressive and really this film i think it manages to outweigh its bad by how much good it brought to the film industry as a whole mm-hmm. and i think that's where it manages to rise above its problematic elements as you would all right this was episode one of the kong roundtable next week we will be tackling son of kong the final film of this mini era i'd say of kong which also came out in 1933, a very rushed sequel. 
which we'll discuss next time. Thank you for listening, and have a good day.